Hello, this is Comeback. This is Connor. This is episode 178. My guest today is Sydney Wojciechowski. She is initially from the States, currently living in Hanoi, running the Where in Hanoi page, similar to the Where in Ho Chi Minh page, where I did the interview with Dana Bradley about a month ago. We're going to talk about Hanoi, Where in Hanoi, the work Sydney is up to, and more today. Sydney, welcome to Comeback. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this too, Sydney. I'm um, interviewing quite a lot of Hanoi expats and people in the Hanoi scene at the moment due to the fact that I have to do these via Zoom. So it's great to, you know, speak to somebody who probably has quite a lot of knowledge of Hanoi. I'd like to think I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll delve more into it as we go on in the podcast. But just to begin with, uh, Sydney, a question that I always like to ask the guest. Do you mind telling me a bit about your background, i.e. where you're from and what was it like growing up there? Oh, Okay, Um, (laughs) so I am from the US, from New Jersey, born and raised uh, literally up until the point that I moved here. I always lived in New Jersey. New Jersey is a funny state. We are right outside of New York in a tiny state, but it's very different from the North to the South. Uh, The South would call their city Philadelphia. They're closer to Pennsylvania and I'm the North and I call my city, New York City. I was only 20 minutes away from it. Um, I was there, grew up as a child there, met my husband there. Me and my husband are from the same town. We went to the same school together. And my profession started out as a dancer. I started dancing since I was three years old. I still dance today. That part of me will never leave me. Um, I did it professionally, created businesses around it. And, uh, and through those businesses of dance led me into marketing as well. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm from. I mean, it, it's a, uh, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> that's quite a nice overview. What was it like living in New Jersey where it's 20 minutes from New York City, which to my knowledge, even though I've never been, is wild and vibrant and extremely busy. Was it nice to get out into a more peaceful side of things in New Jersey? Uh, Well, to be honest with you, I think we're just, we look at ourselves as just like another borough of New York when it comes to the North Jersey end. It's like, you know, New York is known to have Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and New Jersey is, like I said, 20 minutes outside of it. It's very diverse. It's very, um, it's loaded with people. It's hectic everyone's fighting to be seen. Um, New Jersey's a great, it's a, it's a funny culture, but I love that I grew up there. I mean, there is the plus side of, you know, I've gotten all four seasons. I grew up with spring, fall, winter, and summer. I have the ability to drive an hour and a half north and go skiing or drive an hour and a half south and go surfing. Um, I have the world's biggest city 20 minutes away from me. So being like a professional dancer, that was like a dream. It was so easy for me. Um, but it's a hustle, hustle life. Everyone, like, like I said, it's, since it's so diverse being close to the city, everyone is just fighting to be seen. And it really taught me to like work my butt off. I don't know if we can swear on here. I was going to say ass. <laughs> you can say, go ahead, say what you like. Yeah. I mean, coming from Jersey, we have what we call like 
just a trucker mouth. We, I tend to swear a lot. Um, yes, we, we work our asses off and, and I'm, I'm proud of that because of the culture. And I'm also really proud that it was very diverse. Like every one of my friends were almost, you know, first generation, which was wonderful. My, one of my best friends growing up was Vietnamese. And uh, it's kind of ironic that now I'm living in the country that he actually is, has never been to. <laughs> Yeah, that is extraordinary. Yeah, you think your work ethic stemmed from that period then when you're around such a hustle, hustle environment, you felt like you developed a work ethic from a young age? Yeah, I think it's twofold. Um, one, the work ethic came from just the surroundings. Everyone's working, trying to one up one another in this area. It's, you know, it's around the clock in the New York, New Jersey area in the tri-state area is what they would say, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Um, but also growing up as a dancer, yeah, you have to understand the, dan the dancer mentality is you're never, you're never good enough. You can always be better. You're always striving to be more flexible, to turn one more time, to leap a little bit higher. Uh, so considering that that's how I like grew up since I was a little girl, I was always pushing myself to just go a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, I see. And how did you initially get into dancing? Do you mind telling me a bit more about how it started and where it led once you began? Um, so, I mean, really it started, I feel like as most little girls, like mom threw me in dance class. <laughs> just like, get this little kid out of my house for an hour, let's put her in dance class. Um, and I mean, if you look at the videos of when I was three years old, I don't think I really enjoyed it. There's videos of me just standing on stage, literally picking my nose <laughs> and not doing a move at all. Uh, but she kept bringing me back and I started to develop friendships and I started to really enjoy it. And I started to get good at it. And my teacher recognized that and had asked if I would be interested in going into a more competitive level of dance. And so it began and then it just became my life. It was something I was doing seven days a week. Um, you know, I'd go to school all day and then dance till 10 o'clock at night and then do my homework till two o'clock in the morning and wake up and go back to school again and be competing on the weekends. So it, it just became my life and it's kind of all I knew. And then I had those big, you know, performer dreams. I wanted to take it past competition and be like, I wanna do this professionally. So I went out and tried to do that. However, you learn a lot in that, in that world. It's, it's a very doggy uh, dog world and it's um, super competitive and professionally as a performer, any performer will tell you it's, a, it's not a, your performance, like your skill is maybe 40% of it, maybe if you're lucky. The rest of it is a game just like all business, right? It's about who you know. It's about um, specifically in performance, it's like what you look like. They're casting a specific look. They're, um, is, is your hair the right color? Are you the right size? Mm -hmm. um, maybe you're, you're replacing somebody who got injured and you need to fit their costume, you know? So it's like, you might dance here and do the best you possibly could have at that audition, but the cards were against you just because of your look or size. And, and that can take a toll on someone. And I just knew like for the long run, this wasn't gonna be it for me, but I wanted to keep myself in that industry. So what I had done was 
I've just felt like at that point in my life, I had made enough, I was good at networking. I made enough connections that I can start finding jobs, not only for myself, but kind of become an agency and help my friends that were other performers. And that led to me starting my first business, which at the time was called Venus Entertainment. And we were performers that were hired for like corporate and private events, like people's uh, bar mitzvahs, sweet 16s, uh, weddings, uh, a trade show. And we would come in and do performances and get the crowd going. And that eventually led to me building something much bigger, which was called V Squared Events, where it was called, it was promotional marketing and experiential marketing. And I had a team, large team underneath me of 10 people. And we did events all the way from New York to California. And um, we had like 500 plus entertainers. And my job was basically to work with big brands like Vove Clicquot or 7up or Heineken and whatever their event was, maybe they needed a flash mob or um, they had a new product that was coming out and they wanted to kind of make a splash on announcing it. They would come to us to find unique ways to, to market it um, to people, uh, not, more offline than online. Yeah, I see. And how did you find that overall experience? It sounds both exhilarating, but also quite a challenge, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> It definitely, it definitely was. It was, um, like I said, I, I always kept pushing I'm someone who keeps working to the next level. And it was, it's, it's the best part of me, but also the worst part of me. Business grew really, really fast, which is an exciting thing, but also very scary and learning to scale up like that and coming not from a business background. I didn't have a business degree. I didn't know what I was doing. All of a sudden, I had so many people underneath me. I'm paying health insurance for people and getting their 401ks together. And like, this is like a level of business. I was like, I just started out wanting to create like fun choreography and like keep my dancers dancing. And then all of a sudden you're managing, you know, your business owner, like the creativity almost was pulled out of it. Now you just got to keep this afloat. And it, it was intense and I'm not going to lie. I, I loved it. It was exhilarating, but there was a point that it did burn me out. And so much so that I ended up after uh, about nine years, I ended up selling my half of the business. Right. I see. And how did you manage, you know, both kind of the stresses or the pressures of managing that and also being in the dancing industry previously where a lot of factors, as you mentioned, are out of your control, i.e. appearance, whether you fit the mold, etc. How did you manage, you know, firstly, the pressures of your own company that you set up? And secondly, being in that industry where a lot of the time it isn't in your power, it isn't in your hands. So it's, it's funny that you say that. So, I mean, obviously, like I had graduated from being the performer to being the business owner. I like kind of let go of that half of me. And that was really hard to do because the dancer is, is my identity. It is who I am. And if you, if we had a video recording right now, you would see how much I use my hands. I'm very theatrical person. It's just a part of my body. I, I dance to express myself and to say like, it took me a while to like, almost remove that aspect of saying, hi, I'm Sydney. What do you do? Well, I'm a professional dancer and a business owner, you know? And then finally, yeah. like I had, I removed that professional dance part part and just said, I'm a business owner. I run a company called this. And that like, I almost killed my soul to do that. Yeah. But then ironically, like 
now I'm in this position where I'm working with these brands and guess what? What are these things these brands are saying? They're like, well, the look of my brand is this. We expect that our performers or models would be of this color, of this size, of this look. And all of a sudden I became the person now auditioning people and looking for people of specific looks and sizes, which is like exactly what I hated in my own industry and the reason why I started (laughs) creating a company to provide to others. And I was like, oh, here we go. And, And that became a little bit of an aspect of why I started to like, it added to the burnout. So it was like, this is starting to become not what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And I couldn't help that because this is, it was business. It was, it was paying my bills. It was good money. And I get it when you have a brand and your look is one look, or you want a specific style, like that's kind of part of branding and marketing too. It's like, it's only so much I can do about it. Yeah, I see. And then once you'd, you know, uh, finished this kind of endeavor, did you move into marketing straight after? Yeah. So, um, so after I sold this business, I was in a like weird transitional period. And I wasn't too sure what I was going to do with myself. Um, It's like, okay, I have this ability to kind of start over, but what is that? And we were still in New Jersey. And this falls into like one of the big reasons why we got here in Hanoi is because I decided to make that decision. Um, And in between that time, me and my husband are big travelers. We love to travel and he works within the school system. So the one great thing about being in the school system is you have all these breaks. You have summer break, you have Christmas break, you have spring break. Um, and because you have these breaks, we were had them, we would hop on a plane and go somewhere. We'd save all our money just to go somewhere. So I kind of went the whole travel blogger route and, and just like wanted to dabble into being like, okay, I know how to like market brands on one end. Can I, I can I learn this on you know, a social media end, because at the same point too, when you're running a business before, like you wear many hats, I learned how to do a lot. And I learned how to market my business as well on social media. And I really enjoyed that. So it's like, I was kind of applying both aspects of like this promotional marketing, experiential marketing, along with like my skills, um, with like knowing how to like sell a business, like my own personal business. Um, and I went with like, you know, doing videography and creating like YouTube videos. I actually had a podcast. I did podcasting for a year and a half. Oh, cool. Um, and I also, you know, was doing the whole Instagram thing and I was just like going at it, like just posting constantly all day, every day of the week, just to see like what I can do. And I, I taught myself a lot with it, but I also realized too, like, this isn't something I want to do professionally because, you quickly learn like what something you love, like traveling becomes work. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to mix again, something I love with work. I want to keep that separate. So it's something I dabbled in for fun, but I never took too seriously. And in between that, like time, this like small, it's about a two year window, maybe a little less um, of me, like floating and being okay to float. My husband had a job opportunity here in Hanoi. Right, I see. And that's what gave you the push to move to Hanoi. So, so yeah, so basically it's, it's an ironic, like way my life led it, like fell into place like this, because if I had, if I didn't sell my business, which was a really hard thing to do, like your business is your baby. And, you know, it's something I started with no experience 
$200 to my name and had no idea where it was going to go. And it grew to be this massive entity. And I decided to let that go and had this like moment in my life that I was kind of free to just see where I wanted to like, where the wind was going to take me. And the fact that me and my husband are massive like travelers and like always dreamed of like an opportunity to live abroad and this job opportunity popped up. It was like the perfect way of like everything falling into place and being like, how do we not take this? Like we would never have the opportunity to say yes to this. Like, and there was other things not tying us down either. It's not like we didn't own a house or anything. We were just renting. Um, And it was just like the perfect job that like literally made it so easy for like us to just pick up and move it like it kind of like made it easy like we had no idea what expat life really was and like how to go about it or where to begin and it's like don't worry we'll handle your visas and we're gonna fly you over here and you can like you know we'll like set you up in a hotel first before you find your home and like it just made it like serving it to you on a silver platter and you're like well if i was ever gonna take this jump how do you not take this one yeah of course we did yeah and how long have you been in hanoi i've been in hanoi so uh we're going on to our third year now oh nice okay and you know obviously going on to the third year you know a lot more now than at the beginning do you mind telling me how did you find hanoi at first because obviously your first time moving to another country can be a little crazy obviously it was the right time for you but what was your initial impression of hanoi yeah, so like we we've traveled to Southeast Asia um, a few times, and because it was ironically we're thinking let's hit like Asia <laughs> and that area of the world now, because as we get older it'll be a lot easier to go from New Jersey to Europe. <laughs> so now of course we live on the other side of the world and we're like great Europe is so far. <laughs> so we we had experienced Vietnam before and and other Southeast Asian countries and we're like okay I have an idea like that you know, the, sitting on the small plastic stools and the street food and like the motorbikes everywhere and the horns hawking. I'm like, okay, I kind of know what I'm going in, but like, I have no idea what it's like to actually live there and what the homes are going to be like, or what, you know, food shopping would be like, or things like that. So it was like at first a bit of like a shock and, and an understanding of how to, to, you know, mold into the space. However, you know, I had no expectations. I, I kind of try to live life that way. Like just go at it and see where it goes. And I don't know. I mean, I feel like we settled in pretty quickly and just kind of jumped in, you know, got the motorbike right away, even though I was terrible at it. Terrible, definitely crashed a couple times. <laughs> I was about to ask, did you crash it all in the first few weeks? <laughs> I mean, definitely crashed. I definitely have the, what do you call it? The the Hanoi kiss or the Vietnam kiss where I have uh, the yeah. scar on my, yeah. oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, you know, but it's like, it is what it is. And once you start to like understand how it works and then you find your community here, which is everything. And I, I find that it's just so easy to find community. And I don't, I've never lived in other expat communities, so I can't speak for other countries, but if it is anything like what Vietnam is like, I just felt like so welcomed right away. It was everyone was just like, hi, who are you? Let's be friends and like connected yeah. on a level that I just is so different from, again, the New York, New Jersey mentality where 
that was one of my biggest worries. It's like, we're very tough over there. If someone looks at me at the bar and they start talking to me in New Jersey, I'd be like, what does this guy want? Like, why, like, what are you trying to get out of me? Like, we're, we're so like hard shelled. And here it's like, everyone's like, oh, you just moved here. Do you need anything? I have some like spare spoons for you if you need them for your kitchen. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And if you sit on like the side of the street and then you'll get like old men, usually from Vietnam, obviously coming up to you, offering you beer and, you know, singing with know. you. You're like, this is just so lovely. It's such a warm, friendly vibe. Such, yeah. And it is so true. It's from the locals down to the foreigners. Like everyone's just like, ah, I'm like, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful first place to start at for sure <laughs> yeah massively and with that I obviously I'm in Saigon which is slightly different to Hanoi but I have visited yeah. and so I, I have a a brief overview of the vibe there and I do really enjoy it can I ask you then how did where is Hanoi come about can you tell me more about that yeah absolutely so um and it's just funny. I think, yeah, the big difference is like Saigon is much more developed and Hanoi, we call it that Hanoi charm. It is, it's just got that uh, old world vibe with new city building around it. And uh, it, if you've ever been to New Orleans, it's very similar to New Orleans. And ironically, my sister lives there and we call them sister cities because it's just, it's the same thing with the, the temperature, the weather is the exact same, you know, you get the hot and cold, but the cold is damp, humid cold. So it like hurts your bones, but it's really not cold by nature considering where we grew up. And it's like, you know, kind of like falling apart. <laughs> like, there's a lot of the city that's like crumbling, but like new cities happening. It floods all the time. There's like so many random things about it, but it like, it's the charm about it that you love that it it's in this unique stage that we get to be here to like see that, you know, in 10 to 15 years, this is going to be a completely different city. And I know that. And it's really cool to be here during the energy of the growth. But because I get back to what your question was, the, the where in Hanoi thing, where in in general was started by me. And it was just a fluke at first. It was because, again, I, I had this like goal. It was called Gold Traveler at the time. It's now Goal with Sid. That's my actual Instagram and it's where I was like always talking about my travels. It was like where I was kind of doing the travel blogging and thing. And then I was going to start talking about expat life. But then I kind of said, do, do I want to make this now all Vietnam? Like I wanted to still talk about travel here. And I was like, maybe I'll make a separate account that's just for Vietnam that um, will be great for my friends or family or any of my followers that wanted to like come to Vietnam and just know places that I love. They had nothing to do with me. But I realized really quickly that like, it's really difficult to find things here. And, you know, you can go up and down a street a million times and still not realize that there's a certain business there that could have been useful to you. Right. So I wanted to make that like so much easier for people to be like, okay, I found this, I tried it out. I think it's great, but like, listen, you gotta go down this alley, go up the stairs, ring the doorbell, go around the, you know what I mean? Like give you the, the ease to find it and know that it's, it's approved. Um, when I did that, I, I fell into a niche I, I wasn't aware of. It was only at that time, uh, August, like three months into me being in Hanoi, okay? I'm an amateur, but people were finding it due to the name. It was very searchable. And also the fact that there really wasn't anything like this on Instagram. Everything was on Facebook, which yeah, we're not big on Facebook in the States. Um, 
we tend to use other platforms. And I think a lot of Western countries as well. So the foreigners were on Instagram, but not finding the Vietnam needs that they needed. And I ended up filling that gap. So it started to grow and people were like asking me all these places where to go. And I'm like now like, oh my God, I'm only like a few months into this and how am I supposed to know these things? And yeah. I don't want to sound like, like I'm lying. And I was trying to like, what do I do? What do I do? But I, I found out really quickly, Connor, that <laughs> people are scared to like try new things. And that was the case I felt at home, right? Back in New York, New Jersey, I was like, people thought we were crazy for traveling as much as we did. And they're like, how, how do you do that? And I was like, okay, this is a, an American mentality. I really thought 100% this is an American mentality. Americans tend to not travel much outside of their own country. And I'm like, this can't be like this the rest of the world. However, when I get to Hanoi and I start talking to people, people that have been here four years, six years, eight years, and like haven't visited places that I'm like, that's one of the like, the most popular places in town, like in, in an expat area. And I'm like, you, you haven't visited that. And they're like, no, I haven't, I didn't even know that was there. And I'm like, wait, what, what? Because people, you know, foreigners, especially that are working abroad, they tend to go right into their jobs. They're doing their work all the time. They don't have too much time to explore. So they like have their few places that they love just like anywhere else in the world. And then they get kind of stuck in their day-to-day -day, like rituals and routines. And I come in and I'm posting things that I thought like you, they would know about and they didn't. So I was like, okay, I actually am a valuable tool. Even though I'm still new to the city, I'm still being, I'm still able to connect to those that are, are new here as well, or that have been here for a while. Yeah, of course. And with that, did you have to maybe go out of your comfort zone a bit and start visiting places for your project that maybe you wouldn't have prior? Um, yeah, I mean, so when we got here, like I said, my husband was the one who got the job opportunity and, um, he kind of said like, I was like, great, you're going to walk into this job where you get to meet people. And I'm like, I'm all by myself as the, they like to call us, right. The trailing spouses, which I think is the worst name ever. I'm like, I ain't trailing anybody. <laughs> um, and he was just like, he's like, listen, he's like, your job is just like, go out and explore. He's like, so by the time I get home, he's like, we'll have, we'll, you'll know a place to go out and try for dinner. He's like, I don't want to go home and just sit and cook dinner. He's like, I want to go see the city too. He's like, but I'm not going to have time to figure out where to go. So can you tell me where, hence the name. Um, so like I started it that way. And then, you know, as more people were asking me questions, the more and more I'm like, okay, I have to push myself out of my comfort zone. I am definitely introverted at heart. So that was a little difficult, but I just know if the more I kind of flex that muscle and keep pushing myself, the, the easier it gets. And I'm grateful for it because it allowed me, you know, where in Hanoi has allowed me to find my own community. It's very easy to get, you know, again, get wrapped up in like your spouse's community, like in their teacher bubble. And like, I, great, I am friends with all them, but I have also made friends with so many business owners here and, and other just, you know, community members teaching outside of this experience. And it's just like, I'm beyond grateful for that. I, so I'm able to create my own identity here and not follow underneath, you know, my husband's tales, which was the goal. <laughs> yeah, of course. And with that, if there was anybody listening who is slightly unaware about where is Hanoi how would you briefly describe to somebody what the project is and what you do exactly 
Absolutely. So really it's, um, you know, it's an influential Instagram account at the end of the day, but where you harness community, it's 100% about community, um, connecting with people, guiding them around what the city has to offer and, and highlighting local, oops, sorry about that, um, highlighting local small businesses. That was one of my biggest goals. Once I realized that I had this community underneath me, which ironically really built during COVID because it was October of 2019 that I started this. And then it was only a few months in that like our first lockdown hit. It was, I think like March of 2020. Yeah, it was. Something like that. You know, so it's like, it was only around like six months. I had like maybe 500 followers or a thousand. I have no idea. Um, But like, it was during that like lockdown that our community really like got strong. That's you know, I was kind of giving people hope and like kind of showing off like where you can get deliveries and stuff like that and talking to businesses directly. And they're like, can you, you know, shout this out for me? Can you help me with this? And when that happened, I was like, this is my goal. I understand like what it's like to be a small business owner and how tough and painstaking it can be. And I'm like, if I can help you connect to a community that's willing to buy and, and help you keep afloat during these times, let me do that. And once things opened up again, that was like where I really, really honed in on was like connecting with these small businesses and finding ways to bring the community to them so we can all kind of survive together. Yeah, of course. I I was thinking that when you mentioned the COVID period that I feel maybe this tool where in Hanoi would be so useful for people after the lockdowns and during it, during it for the delivery services, as you've just mentioned, but also after where they'll really appreciate the places that you're putting out, i.e. where to eat, where to go, where to visit. Once they get a taste of freedom again, it's such an appreciation of being able to go out into the world. And where in Hanoi can provide so many examples of things to do post-lockdown when everything subsides. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's it. So it's trying to always... I mean, even during lockdown right now, it's hard because deliveries aren't even available. But like I said, like I try to say like, oh, this person's delivering right now. Um, I remember one guy, you know, last, the last lockdown that had, when we had deliveries happening, like he was doing crumpets out of his house. And I'm like, I, I, you know, shared that and people went wild for it. They're like, I haven't had a crumpet in forever. And like, you know, just blew up his stuff. And I'm like, this is great. Like, this is what this is about. It's just trying to help one another and support one another um, as we're all in this, like, you know, this world together, but trying to make it easy for people. So, you know, one of the big things with where in Hanoi and where in Ho Chi Minh is not just only posting a photo or video and giving you insight on a business, but we do try to organize it in a way that our Instagram page becomes like a mini website. We really utilize our highlights where we categorize each place. So if you're like, I think she spoke about this cafe before, if you go to the cafe highlight and you tap through, it'll link to one of our posts. So, you know, you can find that cafe again. So the idea is always trying to make things simplified for people to find the businesses, but also to just try to build a community and, and a safe place that we can all kind of connect. Yeah. And with that, you mentioned the importance of the local businesses. Uh, I obviously follow you and where in Ho Chi Minh on Instagram. And I believe yesterday, did you do a webinar with Dana? Yes. So more about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. So because of these, you know, because of 
what we've created on the influential end. And as you know, Dana comes from marketing as well, but she came from a much more corporate end of marketing, which was great because we both have two kind of spectrums of me running a small business and doing like offline promotional marketing and Dana having the corporate level experience and doing more branding uh, and visuals. So I love that we bring two different like idealisms to the table. I don't know if I, that's even a word that I just put out there. <laughs> you created it. Um, thanks. So, well, anyway, with us building these accounts, a lot of times local businesses would be like, how, how do you get this engagement? Like, I, you know, I love that we can utilize you to help get our word out, but we'd also like to, you know, try to build our own engagement for our own business. And that's when I said, Dana, I think we got something here. And I think what, you know, with our knowledge, we can provide a lot more help. So we created another spectrum of the Warren brand and it's, it's where businesses grow. And it's just, it's actually kind of how I connected with Dana way back when, before, after the first, first lockdown in 2020, I created a, like a, um, not a webinar, a, like a workshop, a live workshop where people came in and I had myself speak with other businesses that were here with local businesses. And we were all sharing our insight about like marketing in some way. And Dana actually attended that. And that, at that time, me and Tana were just small, like acquaintances and who knew that she'd like now be like, we'd be partnered together on this, yeah. but that went really well. And I was like, I want to take this and build this more and create some sort of, um, way to help businesses and, provide services for them in this way. So we launched a free webinar that's gonna be available for anybody right now during this time, if they go to our page and um, just kind of send them their email because we recorded the webinar. And it was just about kind of showing businesses a way to stand out during lockdown because I think everyone on their marketing gets stuck during these times because they're like, what do I do? I can't, you can't run your business right now. So it's like, if I can't run my business, how do I, why would I even talk about it? But the reality is quite different. Everyone's sitting at their homes right now and they're, they're scrolling on their phone all day long. That's what everybody is doing. And if you're getting in the forefront of their mind, you're going to be one of the first things they think about when things do open up, because when things do open up, it's going to be I think like chaos for us as consumers. I think everybody's going to be in our face selling and telling them that they're open and they got this new product and all this stuff. And we're not going to know where to go first. So I wanted to let the businesses know these are some tips to kind of get into their minds now so that you're in the forefront of their mind later. Yeah. And this webinar, uh, it was yesterday for the first time. Is it going to be a recurring event, do you think? Um, the webinar isn't going to be a recurring event right now. However, we might host more in the future, but we are, um, we're doing some group coaching. So the webinar is there for free that anyone can take. And there's also a, a workbook involved with it to kind of get you into action and thinking about how you can utilize these tips for your own personal marketing. But if you really wanted like more one-to-one, -one, which one-to-one -one coaching is, it can be more expensive because obviously it's one-to-one -one and we're working specifically to your business, but we offered something that's a little bit easier that we understand that all businesses um, could use. And it's called group coaching, where we're gonna have like small groups of like 10 people. It's uh, topics that, you know, we're, we're dividing them on specific topics about helping your marketing on social media. But at the end of the day, it's open where you can ask questions and get direct answers from us, because that's usually the biggest issue. You're trying to do this on your own and 
questions are always going to involve and you think you know what you're doing, but you don't know what you're doing. You're like, I wish I could just ask them, does this look okay? Does this not look okay? Does this words sound right? That's what this group coaching is for. It's like to give you tips, but then also for you to like take them in and then come back with questions so we can actually help you move forward with it. So that's, that's going to be something that we're offering on a more month to month basis. Uh, that is really fun and simple and affordable for anyone that wants to get involved. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, the next question might be slightly tricky because I can imagine you have a lot of love now for Hanoi. Do you have any favorite parts of your job with WET in Hanoi? Are there any particular areas that you really enjoy related to your work? I think, you know, for me, it's just building the connections that come with it. I mean, some of my best friends have come out of this experience and who would have thought that because of Instagram, honestly, uh, it's how I met Dana. You know, she reached out to me and she explains it in her episode that she just reached out just saying, Hey, I like what you're doing and I'd love to help out. And it was just at the perfect timing that I was kind of looking for an extra hand. Um, you know, one of my other best friends, he, he's a, a jeweler here. He's, a, he's from South Africa and he's a jeweler. And his name is Rhino with Orient Gold. And he, same thing, had reached out and he's just like, I really like what you're doing right now. Um, I would love to just connect with you. And I, I take on those opportunities. I'm like, great, I'd love to hear a little more about what you're doing. Like, and I go, I went over to meet him and he was very honest. He's like, I don't really have money for marketing right now or anything. I can't pay you, but he's like, I just wanted to like connect with you. And I like giggled about that. But then he later went to my the seminar workshop that I had. And before we know it, like we became best friends and we started going out for drinks and dinner. And I'm like, this all started from like conversations in my DMs to people that I hang out with every day. And it's, it's kind of funny because I also feel sometimes it's a small world and I've become a little bit of the mayor of the city, like in, especially in Tejo specifically, the, you know, the area I live in, I know every business owner, I know all their stories. I know their partners and and their kids and I'm like, oh my goodness <laughs> and I have blue hair which makes me stand out like a sore thumb so they see me too and I'm like oh no what did I do but at the end of the day I actually love it because it helps me call a place that's not mine you know this is not my country home and I I really appreciate that so that's my favorite part of wearing Hanoi yeah and it gives you that nice homely feeling I love that phrase the mayor of the city that sounds great <laughs> that sounds great yeah. <laughs> I, I know what you mean the vibe where you speak to so many of the local people you feel like wow yeah this is my home community no I love that aspect it's quite warm and yeah warm and friendly and home away from home that's a great way of putting it yeah exactly for sure now once this hectic period subsides what <laughs> is the first day in Hanoi post lockdown going to look like for you? Where are you going? What are you doing? What's it all going to be about, Sydney? <sighs> that's, that's a deep, like, I don't know. it's so funny. Cause it's like, also like, like I said, I'm kind of introverted at heart. Like I, I love doing this in the community aspect. Then I come home and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I can't go out for like the next few days. I need to recharge. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, am I going to go out and be like overwhelmed because it's been so quiet for so long? I am just really like, one, I'm excited to get on my motorbike or be able to just walk around in general, be able to go to the cafe. I have like my favorite cafes. There's one right on my street, the 
the barista's name is Sai. It's, it's, her sign is S Coffee, but Sai, she makes the best coffee. It's a tiny, tiny little place. Um, you know, like I used to walk there every morning, get my coffee, then like cross over the street and go to the other cafe and grab a croissant and like then meet up with a friend and then do a little bit of work on the computer and then hop on my motorbike and then like drive down a random road. This is how I explore things is usually just like pick an area that you're like, I need to go just like drive around it and walk up and down and see like, is there something new I haven't seen? Pop in and out a few places, take some photos <laughs> to post later and then come home. And like that, that's what I miss. It's just like those little days of like exploration, connecting with some people and then like getting back to work. Um, it's, it sucks. And I, I'm sure you know this too, like and feel the same way too. Like it's been way worse down in Ho Chi Minh than Hanoi, you guys have been in this longer than us, but it's like, my goodness, I, I don't like the lack of vitamin D, like, because it's so hot right now, you don't want to just sit outside. Like I have a terrace and I could sit there, but like I was getting it just naturally by like going to a place, hopping on your motorbike and like not getting that at all. I'm not getting my steps in and yeah, I'm like rough. (laughs) Down here, we're in a 24 seven curfew where you had to stock up last Sunday, this weekend, it was bonkers. I mean, everyone flooded to the shops and every convenience store and supermarket was cleaned out and you think this is bonkers like it's like you're living in a movie but not a good one i know it's 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 wild and i also feel like i don't I, i'm surprised they did that because i'm like that weren't wasn't a bunch of people out then all stuck in the same place buying food that's this is the, purpose. That's the one thing they're trying to avoid but yeah I don't- I mean, you know, I'm no COVID expert, so I don't know exactly what the best strategy is for Vietnam. And Vietnam did handle it extremely well in 2020. But for now, it's a tricky period. So I suppose it's just a matter of riding through the storm. It, it really is. It's funny. I actually just bought on Lazada. Um, we're able to still get Lazada deliveries here. I don't know if you can, um, which I got a walking pad. <laughs> it's like basically a really cheap treadmill. It's like the size of a yoga mat. And my, I have a standing desk for my computer and I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm just going to walk and be on my computer because this is the only time I can get my steps in. I saw this recently on social media and I thought that's actually quite good. Uh, May I ask you, how much was it? Was it about 1.5 million? Um, This one I got was 3.7 million. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I saw something different, but yeah, that's a great idea. That's yeah. That's a great way of getting the steps in. I'm lucky that. I have my rooftop gym, which is still open. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed because that has been an absolute blessing throughout this period. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we actually have a little gym and dance room in my house. I, I converted a room and I'm very grateful I did that. I'm like, it's it's definitely everything. And I'm, I have to say at least you can make good habits during these times, you know? And I, for me, it's like, I'm pretty much working out one to two times a day. And that's more than I normally was before because I was always out exploring. And what comes with exploring is like grabbing a drink with people and eating all the food because my job is to try places and see what they're like to share it. And now I'm like, I'm at at my healthiest state. So there is some good, there's some good that can come out of this. (laughs) There is some good. And the next part of this, series generally set, tends to focus on the comeback theme based on your careers so far and the different industries and the different jobs you've done what do you think are the main challenges that you faced as a whole 
main challenges I faced out of all the things I've done. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very open question. I'm trying to think where I want to take that. Um, I think the main challenges I face personally um, is I am very hard on myself. Um, I am my own worst critic. I, um, and I put a lot of pressure on myself and it's something I always battle to work with. Like I said, I think it's, I said this earlier, it's my, my work ethic is my best and worst trait. And I'm always like wanting to do more and scale up more in some way. Like my hands are in a lot of things. Like, yes, I do the wear in Hanoi stuff. And now like we're doing this marketing endeavor and I am teaching dance here as well. And, and a part of a, a company called Hanoi Dance Company where, where you do classes for adults and kids. So it's like, where, when do I stop, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, when do you relax? Yeah. And, and it was like kind of funny because I put, I got myself out of that other experience of mine when I had my, my company before in the events world because it became too much. Um, you know, it, it was working around the clock and there was a lot of stress with it. And now I'm doing all things that I love. That's the thing. Like I love to work and I love to like bring joy to people's lives. And that's what I'm doing, you know, with dance. I, I, I love to see people just like get out of their comfort zones and just let loose and like leave that class with a smile on their face. And same with marketing. I love to just be able to like elevate someone's business or show them a different way to do things to make life easier for them and create these connections. Like it's, they, they really do fuel my soul. However, my hardest endeavor and biggest struggle is to like find a balance with me and, and not have to push so much. Like what I'm doing now is enough. <laughs> yeah, for real. I think for a lot of people, myself included, uh, it's the balance that is the key part, finding out whether you're doing too little or too much. If you're a hard worker, I feel like you always think, oh, I'm not doing enough, when realistically you might be. It's just that, that fine line, what is too much? What is too yeah. little? What is just right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and yeah, in this point in my life, I, I want to find more balance um, or find a way to delegate more. <laughs> yeah, for real. And with that, Sydney, coming to the end of the conversation, the question that I always leave the guest with towards the end is what's next? What would you like to achieve in the future? Oh, geez. Um, what is next? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think we're still going to be in Vietnam for a while. You know, we came here originally with the two to five year plan. However, I feel like my first two years were kind of ripped away from me because of COVID. Uh, you know, I was here for really like six months before we got stuck here. And the beauty of that was we got to explore all of Vietnam because like, like you said earlier, Vietnam did a really great job of handling it the first time around. And um, I'm grateful for that, but I never got the experience of like, just in my head, I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm in such a great hub. I'll be able to hop on planes and go to Thailand or go to um, the Philippines or go, you know, and like go just see other places that are a hop, skip away that were never a hop, skip away. And I, I do miss that, that ability of like living here and being able to do that. Um, so I do think 
the future still holds time here because I, I feel like we still have much more to see and do. But my future in work life, I think, is much more growing the marketing spectrum of things, um, getting this where businesses grow to a level that is helping businesses all over the world um, that are small local businesses and teaching them that they, too, can utilize social media to a wonderful advantage to create really strong communities for themselves. Excellent. And where can we find out more about the work you do on social media, Sydney? I am all over the social media. So <laughs> you can obviously follow Wear in Hanoi or any of our Wear in accounts like Dana and Wear in Ho Chi Minh. Me specifically, I have an account called Goal with Sid and Goal stands out for get out and live. And I'm always dancing and doing reels on that. But if you are on the business spectrum, now we like now that we lost, like launched the marketing end, we have where businesses grow. And that's where me and Dana will be giving all of our marketing tips. Excellent. Any final thoughts, Sydney, before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think this was wonderful. I'm really happy I got to chat with you. I hope everyone got some insight of, about this and learning things. And hey, guys, whoever's listening, I love to connect with people. I love to make conversations. If you follow any of those accounts, shoot me a DM. I will definitely like get back to you. <laughs> Excellent. Yep. If you're listening, take that advice. Sydney, thanks so much. I really enjoyed this and all the very best with your future projects. I'm hopeful that this situation will subside and where in Hanoi will be back stronger than ever. So take ah, that. Thanks, Connor. This is wonderful.